is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker and a career and executive coach. And today, I welcome Laura Vanderkam back to the show. Laura, always so good to have you on the show. Really excited to dive into a conversation about your new book, how to be productive and happy working from home, because goodness knows we're all doing that now. We're all trying, at least. We're all trying. Exactly. So, you know, many of us are working from home for the first time out of necessity because of the global pandemic. So what are some of the basic tips that you want to share to empower us to be successful working from home? Well, the thing for people who started working from home in the wake of COVID-19 to remember is that working from home is a skill. It's a skill like you know, playing a sport would be a skill, like speaking French is a skill. And so when March was just terrible and felt unproductive and every Zoom meeting went on too long with people talking all over each other, well, that doesn't mean that that's always how it's going to be. Um, It means that everyone was learning. And if we all decided to learn to play golf in March, there would have been a ton of horrible golf games too. Uh, So when we try to get better at it, when we uh, work at it, practice the skills, we can definitely get better over time. So hopefully people will take a little message of hope from that. Yeah. And I'm grateful that you put it in perspective. This is a new uh, set of skills, right, for us, and we're flexing new muscles. Now, you are an expert in that you've been working from home for 18 years. So clearly that experience has evolved over time. Tell me about that. Yes, it has. And I guess 18 years makes (laughs) me sound pretty old. I would like to stress that I actually started working from home when I was 22 years old. Um, There you go. I'm one of those people who... (laughs) did not really have a real job for a long time uh, before I stumbled into this new way of working. Um, it's it's definitely evolved over time. When I first started doing this, video conferences were just not something you ever wanted to be a part of. Um, the technology has improved so much. And so I think in the past, people were like, well, there's just no way you can interact with people in any sort of real authentic fashion when you're not there in person. Uh, and that's very much changed, even with all the problems with Zoom and other you know tools like that. Most people have settled on, you, you're about 75% as good as being in person. And if you think about how much time is wasted traveling places, commuting places to meet in person, 75% is pretty good. I, I, I think I'll take that. I would agree. And I'm seeing a a beautiful shift. I'm quite frankly, enjoying working from home. It's been a real eye-opener for me and a great opportunity to prove to the powers that be in my organization that I can be highly effective and my team and my colleagues can be effective working from home. But there is an interesting backstory. People are talking about, but are they productive, right? This whole mindset versus being at home or being on location in that office. What are your thoughts about productivity at home? Well, productivity is about getting what matters done. And for many sorts of information-related work, it doesn't have to happen in an office. I mean, you think about how many times people have commuted to an office only to spend the majority of their day email and calling, emailing and calling people in other places. I mean, it seems strange. You're, you're, you're talking on the phone to your client just because you're sitting in an office doesn't mean you're having in any way a different conversation than you'd have on the phone with the client sitting in your home. And certainly 
you can control things in a home in a way that you can't in an office environment. Just one example, as we're in, in summer when we're recording this, most of my in-office jobs, I have been freezing for the entire time that I've yeah. been working because the offices are air conditioned to a point to be comfortable for a man wearing a suit. And, you know, a lot of women don't have socks on, for instance, uh, with right. dress apparel. And so that leaves them quite chilly. And it, it's hard to concentrate when you're chilly. Um, but if it was, you know, made comfortable for them, there'd be a lot of men in suits who'd be sweating and perspiring and unable to work as well. So, you know, you could set the temperature where you want it. If you want to, you know, wear clothes that you're comfortable in, if you like a certain kind of light or smell or sound or whatever it is, you can control those things at home. And so I think that helps people, you know, be their best selves. You can also I feel like the distractions are, are more of a known entity at home. I mean, yes, there are distractions at home. Many people are dealing with those intensely right now if they um, have lost their childcare or their kids are home from school at, at this juncture. But the office is incredibly distracting too. I mean, you know, Joe stops by to talk about this crazy thing that happened in the last meeting, which has nothing to do with you. I mean, you want to preserve the relationship with Joe, but, you know, <laughs> you are working on something else. So it's, I, I think there's a truth, which is that engaged and motivated employees will be engaged and motivated wherever they are. And unengaged, unmotivated employees are going to disappoint you wherever they are. And it doesn't have anything to do with working from home. I find personally with my own experience, I gained three hours of my day back because I had a 90 minute commute each way. And, you know, everybody says, oh, you can take calls, you can be productive on the phone. Yes. And you've also got to be a safe driver and be cognizant and aware. So there are some things that you can do on the road, but I find that efficiency and those three hours in my day have just transformed my stress levels for the positive. I believe it. I mean, commutes, if you look at studies of people's experienced moment by moment happiness, commutes are at the absolute bottom of the scale. Um, the yeah. morning commute is the worst. The afternoon commute at least has the benefit of getting you home at the end, but right. there, there's nothing redeeming about the morning one. And and yes, people can be distracted drivers and put everyone else at risk with calls and things like that. But for the most part, it is wasted time. And the upside of working from home is that, you know, many people wind up giving their employers some of that time and they take some of that time for themselves. And it's a win both ways, you know, that people can sleep a little more, exercise a little bit more and also work a little bit more. Um, so it's hard to see who's really losing under under that. I love the book because it's really a manual about how to thoughtfully work from home. And you talk about managing by task and not by time. So help us understand that. Yeah, if you think about it, so much work, and we think about what is an honest day's labor, and have I had a good day, and, and what do I do with myself while I'm at work, is so based around time. Um, you know, in an office, when do people leave? Well, there's usually some group norm. Maybe it's five o'clock is when it's acceptable to leave and people sort of drift out over the next hour with a, a big bump in when people leave sort of around whenever the manager leaves. Um, but those group norms are, are absent when you're working from home. And so it becomes important to think about, well, what constitutes a good day? And some organizations, as they've been forced to go virtual, just say, okay, well, you have to check in on Slack at nine o'clock. Let's, let's make sure everyone's doing their job. They're in their chairs right at nine o'clock. But I think this is really, it can be an opportunity to innovate 
rather than just replicate. And so I suggest that people, you know, with their managers, with their teams, come up with priority lists for, say, the week and then assign themselves tasks for any given day. And they can be concrete tasks like call these three clients. They can also be open-ended tasks like come up with the names of two additional clients we might want to serve. Um, they can be, you know, leaving space for things that do come up and getting to the bottom of your email inbox or whatever. But, you know, have a list for the day. And when the list is done, you are done. And sure, I mean, theoretically, that could happen at noon. For the most part, it doesn't. Because if you try this for more than a few days, you become very, very good at figuring out how much activity can fit in eight hours. But the point being that time is not the fundamental measure of whether you've gotten stuff done. What's the measure of whether you've gotten stuff done is whether you've gotten stuff done. And I'm grateful for your mention of prioritizing because I think often our to-do lists are unrealistic. They're too long. And we rarely look at it through the lens of priority. Yeah. And that's a problem because there's, there's no point in having a to-do list that isn't actually a list of things you intend to do during a set period of time. Um, and so I'm challenging people in this book to make themselves daily task lists that will in fact get done in the day. And hopefully you can tr treat the list as something of a contract with yourself. Like if you're putting it on the list, it will happen today. Now, of course, for that to be possible, the list has to be extremely short um, because if it's, if it's long, then you know the system breaks down. Like you won't do 20 items because stuff will come up. So it needs to be short. It needs to be well-chosen. But if it is short and well-chosen, you can make an incredible amount of progress because you're doing important stuff every single day and you are sure you will get through it. And then you can do more important stuff tomorrow and more important stuff the next day. And that's how people really feel like they are winning. We'll be right back after a quick break. Your working life is powered by your stories. We want to hear more from our listeners about your experiences in the workplace. Tell us what challenges you've overcome or tips you've learned along the way. And even better, if you don't have the answers, let us know what issues you want to know more about. We want this podcast to serve all of your working life needs. Send me an email at caroline at carolinedowdhiggins.com. Laura, something that I experienced at the beginning of the COVID uh pandemic, especially early March, right, where everyone was thrown into a work at home, work at home environment, this sense of urgency to prove our value, to prove back at the office, hey, we're productive, we're getting things done. And there seemed to be an explosion of around the clock meetings. There was no downtime to maybe grab uh, a bite to eat or even have some of those just mental breaks to do the work. And it was meeting Palooza. You write beautifully in the book about rethinking urgency and meeting. So tell me more about yeah, that. Yeah, I think what was happening is is just what you were saying. People have this idea that, well, you know, if people are working from home, they might just be watching Netflix all day. And of course, nobody wants to be known as the employee who's watching Netflix all day, that there's a suspicion that that's not what you're doing. And so people would check in constantly. Like they would, you know, leave the instant messaging apps open all day. They would try to return everyone's email within, you know, 30 seconds. But the problem with that is that while responsiveness is nice, like the reason people are reaching out to you and wanting your response is because you have something worth responding with. 
And this sense of urgency can crowd out the time to actually do the work and come up with the ideas that allow you to have reasonable answers to to those emails that you're responding to instantly. Um, And so I challenge people to rethink urgency. Urgency is yet another one of those time-based measures of productivity um, that we need to rethink. We're much better off having a good answer than a bad answer quickly. Um, and, you know, obviously people would prefer to have the perfect answer right away, but if we, we need to choose, we, we probably want the right one. And this same time-based judge of productivity, it happens with meetings too. Why are all meetings 30 and 60 minutes? Um, it, it is not because all human activities and decisions can, can be confined to 30 and 60 minutes. All decisions can be solved, all problems, you know, handled in 30 or 60 minutes. It's just that that's how long a meeting is. And so we don't think about what needs to happen and who needs to be there and what everyone in the room or on the call is doing with every minute they're there. And so we just say, okay, 30 minutes or 60 minutes. That's another time-based thing as opposed to a task-based thing. So I challenge people to rethink that. If you are going to gather people, whether virtually or in person, you need to know why. You need to know what will change in the world as a result of this meeting. Um, You need to make sure that everyone who is there is necessary for that thing to change. You need to account for every minute that they're going to be part of that gathering. And if you can't do that, then you need to rethink the gathering. What about optimizing our our well-being from working at home? I know sometimes I enjoy just a noontime walk with the dogs, even if it's uh, just a chance to breathe some fresh air and get some sunshine. It really can shift my whole mindset for the rest of the day. And I think that is a great idea. I mean, I challenge people to proactively plan in breaks during times when their energy might dip. And, And lunchtime is certainly one of that. You can definitely take a real lunch working at home. There is absolutely nothing wrong with doing that. Um, you know, I've seen on time logs people not do it because, they, again, they're worried that their boss thinks they're watching Netflix or something. But, you know, if you would go to the office cafeteria for half an hour, there's absolutely nothing wrong with going and making yourself a sandwich and then you're walking outside for a little bit. And in fact, you will probably come back with much better ideas than if you try to work straight through. What happens when people try to work straight through is at some point they stop really working because they're tired but they still sit there um, accomplishing nothing and it would be better to take a real break and come back and live to fight again. Yeah. And you know, I find it interesting. You've heard of the adage sitting is the new smoking. And I think that uh, in the beginning for me was dangerous, right? Where I was just glued to my computer and I realized, okay, I've got to get up. I've got to move around. And these even micro breaks really helped me have more focus and better attention span uh, not to mention just better for my body than, than sitting. Yeah, definitely. There's been tons of research on even taking small breaks can make you feel a little bit more energized. And if you can do something physical, then that counters a lot of the negative, negative aspects of, of sitting all day long. And it's interesting because, you know, some research has found that people who work from home do get a little bit more uh, exercise than people who work in an office. And probably that's just because they have more available time in the absence of a commute. But you have to work for it because your commute is suddenly, you know, walking from your bedroom to your office. It might be 20 steps. Like you have far less occasion to move. So you have to force yourself to do it. But if you can make it a habit, you will definitely reap the benefits. 
Yeah, I would agree. You have to be uh, sincere about it and and create a, a ritual. Speaking of which, you write beautifully about getting our rhythm right and focusing on results and often a ritual to how we start the day or close the day can help make that happen. Give us an example of that. I'm fascinated by well, this. Well, a lot of people who work from home long term wind up giving themselves some sort of fake commute at the start or possibly the end of the day too. And this doesn't, you know, they're not actually getting in the car and driving somewhere far away, but maybe it's walking your kids to school or running a quick errand, like walking to a coffee shop nearby to get your coffee. I mean, yes, you could make it yourself, but that little quick walk, that seeing something else come back to your house, suddenly you're in work mode, as opposed to if you just sort of roll into the office without any sort of ritual. Now, not everybody needs that, but if you are the sort of person who really has more of a compartmentalized mindset, then it helps to have some sort of transition that helps tell you, okay, now it is work time. And equally important, a transition that tells you now it is not work time. Uh, Because the danger of having your workplace also be your home is that you could keep working all night sort of inefficiently half surfing the web and half working and and nobody's really gaining by that it's much better to stop at some point when you have accomplished your tasks for the day and then start again you know in the in the morning if that's what you're going to do so figure out some sort of ending ritual it could be writing in a journal it could be writing your task list for the next day it could be calling a colleague to say goodbye but something to say okay now we are done And now I can focus on the rest of my life pretty much guilt-free. Nice, nice. Good way to set boundaries too. So this is an interesting time for those of us that are working from home in in a new environment. The temptation of throwing a load of laundry in or, you know, defrosting dinner or any number of kind of household chores, uh, you know, they they seem harmless. They might only take a few minutes and, and it gets us ahead of the game. Thoughts on that? Should we separate those and have very distinct boundaries? Um, I think you have to know yourself here. And I would say that there is nothing inherently wrong with, say, switching over a load of laundry. Um, I would say that if you are in a family where multiple people have jobs, but only one of them works from home, the person who works from home is not automatically responsible for all things household related um, because, you know, you are working. And if you wouldn't, you know, be charged with cleaning the entire office cafeteria at work, it probably shouldn't be your job to make the kitchen sparkling after breakfast every morning, either at home. Um, the, The key problem with household tasks is that they seem productive. So we have less of a barrier to doing them during the workday than other things that are clearly not productive. I mean, many people stay far away from their televisions because of the whole worry about, okay, you know, don't want to be seen as watching Netflix, but they will interrupt themselves in the middle of deep work to say, oh, well, did I, did the meat make it out of the freezer for dinner? Better go check. Um, One way to get around this is to keep what I call a later list. So if you're doing any sort of deep work and you're focused on something and something occurs to you that you need to do or check or whatever, just write it on the later list. And when you reach a stopping point, when you are about ready to take a break, then you go see if the meat made it out of the freezer, or then you go move the laundry. Um, and that way it's more put to a time where you would like it to be as opposed to interrupting the time that you've set aside for deeper focus. I like it. Laura, as we wrap up, I want to talk to you about building and stewarding and fostering relationships on a team. 
uh, virtually and and from that home office because we don't want to lose that connectivity and that trust and and those cultures that we work so hard to build. So how do you do that from home? Well, the first thing I'd say is that. Um, you know, video conferencing is very good these days. We can see people, we can have real conversations. Um, you can pick up on a lot of cues. It's not perfect, but our brains aren't designed to think that seeing somebody's face on a screen is any different from seeing them in person. That's why people who have had careers in television, that they can, people come up to them in the grocery store for years afterwards being like, I know you from somewhere. No, you don't. <laughs> You yeah. just saw them on TV, right? <laughs> so it's the same thing with video conferencing. Uh, you, you feel you know the person when you are seeing them. Um, but I think the key thing to keep in mind here is that working from home is not either or. I don't think, you know, we're in a crisis situation now. Hopefully we'll come out of it over the next few months, the next year. I don't think many organizations will convert themselves to being all virtual forever. I think we'll reach a place where a lot of people decide, okay, why don't we have people work from home two to three, two to three days per week, work in the office two to three days per week. And that way, the in-the-office days can be really focused on socializing and having lunches with your colleagues, having you know group chats and getting to know each other better and spending time together and not worrying so much about whether you're productive with that in quote marks. Because you know that on those work from home days, those two to three work from home days, you can really buckle down and get to stuff. Um, so that can really be the best of both worlds. I like it. A hybrid model. Laura, I always learn so much from you. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and expertise. And your, your brand new book is called The New Corner Office, How the Most Successful People Work from Home. And of course, it is available on Amazon. And we're so excited about this new book. And I'm grateful that you spent time with me today. Thanks for having me. And if you like our show, subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud. And even better, leave us a review because this helps new audience members find us online. Let me know what career-minded issues you would like for me to feature on a future show. You can find me on Twitter at C. Dowd Higgins. And a special thanks to my podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer. Thank you for making this show awesome for our global audience. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Thanks for listening.